The Sports Career Podcast, episode 233. What attitude do you need to be a professional footballer? Hello Sports Achiever and thank you for taking the time to listen to this week's podcast. I'm your host Ed Bowers. As always, my goal each week is to provide you a sports expert in a particular field in the sports industry, especially if you have an interest in pursuing a career as a professional football player. So I hope today's episode can support you with regards to your sports career development, interests and needs. Now, getting back to today's show, this week's special guest is Julia Simic. Julia is a professional football player and has played for Bayern Munich, West Ham United, and currently playing for AC Milan. Also, she's represented her country, Germany. Julia is also one of the co-founders of Play For Her, which is an educational football resource which aims to help girls and boys understand what it takes to be a professional footballer. The educational resources focus on the mindset, the nutrition, and the training of what it takes to pursue a career as a professional footballer. Also, Julia has her own football academy, which aims to help girls at the grassroots level of the game with regards to their football development. For that reason, it's such a privilege to have Julia as a special guest on the show, and that's when today's episode, Julia will share her football career journey and explain the benefits of why footballers should be productive on and off the football pitch. Julia, it's such a pleasure to have you on the podcast show. Please, you share to listeners your sports career journey. When did it all start? Um, quite a while ago, you know. I, I sometimes uh, wonder myself as well that I'm already 31 and the whole career just flew by a little bit. Basically, I'm 16. When I was 16, I started playing professional. So that's already 15 years. I'm in my 16th season right now. Went so quick. The whole journey and I think during playing and while you're on the pitch and you're maybe in your early 20s you think it will never stop but then all of a sudden you're 31 and you feel like okay this I'm in my winter of my career now so basically just enjoy it the most you can possibly do and yeah it's, it's just a it's been a long journey but it felt quite quite quick to be honest. <laughs> Firstly Julia age is just a number but just going back in time, could you just paint the picture of your childhood and how you ended up being a professional footballer? So when I kicked a ball for the first time, I must have been four or five years old. I have an older brother as well that I would say helped a bit or he dragged me a bit into playing football as well. My whole family is yeah, football crazy, I would say. And my dad is a huge fan of a club called Nuremberg. So basically we grew up with football. On the weekends, we would just go in the park and there would be always a ball with us. And I think at this time, when you're so young, you don't really think about what you're doing. You just do what you like, you know, and what the environment uh, provides you as well. So if there's always a ball around you and everyone would kick it with the feet, you also start kicking it with the feet. And I think if then on top of that, 
next to the passion or the yeah joy of kicking, there comes a little bit of talent as well. Um, I think then it becomes more exciting and also more serious. And when I, I don't know, was maybe eight, nine, ten years, and I always played with boys. Six, I was since I was six years, I played in in boys teams, and I felt like okay, I can compete with the boys, and it didn't feel weird for me because I was just so used to just play with boys. There were almost no girls around me. And people would just say from outside, okay, look, that's, that's a bit outstanding that she can play with the boys. Even at this level, when I was 15, 16 and still played with the boys, you felt like, okay, there's definitely some talent there as well. But first of all, it was always the joy and the, the passion. So just getting to your point about the seriousness, when did that seriousness kick in going, right, this is what I want to do as a career. I want to be a professional footballer. Like what age did you change that commitment of playing football for fun and then playing football, you know, as a job in brackets, that makes sense. I would never call it serious, to be honest, even if I just did. And I would never call it a job as well. So since today, I would say it's, it's still my biggest passion. And it's just such a big privilege to do your hobby every day and also get paid for that. And that's, Obviously, yes, there are serious times as well because you're just ambitious and you want to compete and you also want to perform. It's not just having a competition. You also want to perform. You want to bring that performance out every day and you want to be at your best you can possibly be. So starting this or having this in, in my body, basically, that started quite early. I would say with eight, nine, ten years, I already wanted, I felt bad after we lost after loss, for example, after we lost, or I felt bad if I had a bad training, for example, I would, it would affect me. I, I wouldn't say that's a bad thing. I think that's coming with it. If you feel like that's your passion and you're ambitious, you have to have this competitiveness, I think, in you. But since then, since I saw football basically in TV, and that's been almost or always male football and men's football, I just always dreamt of being a professional footballer and that would mean playing in the men's Bundesliga not necessarily in the women's Bundesliga because back then I didn't even know that something like this exists because you would not see it but having this dream that came really early. I find this really interesting there's two topics I want to talk about one the growth of the women's game but two you've talked about losing and how you cope so out the 16 seasons you've played how do you cope with losing like how do you internally cope losing do you use it as a way to get better or do you use it as a way of I don't know not like not put yourself down but be a better player the next week that makes sense definitely I think that's an important part to not yeah basically that a loss can destroy you you know at one point you have to get your head up again and keep going but also the important thing is learning about losing and getting better and that's not just a saying I think it's important because sometimes when you lose a game and it was a bad performance as well, you don't even want to watch it back. You don't even want to deal with it anymore. But that's the important thing that you watch back these 90 minutes as well, even when you didn't shine and you didn't, the ball wasn't your friend for these 90 minutes and maybe not only yours, also for the whole team. I think that's, that's important to sit down and um, work with these performances as well. Otherwise, you're not moving anywhere. And that was always, I always hated, hate, hating is a strong word, I know, but watching back bad 90 minutes of myself always hurt, you know. And I, I tried to just do it and get it off the table. 
that you also can move on. And then I think for me, it was always important. For example, I didn't really perform well in, in tacklings, for example. I would just focus the next training week on tacklings and tackles and just throw my body into everything I could possibly do. I'm not really a physical player, but that was something I, for example, could lift myself up with during the next week if I felt like, okay, now I'm back, I'm, I'm winning tackles again and I, I'm, winning, I'm winning balls back and I win one-to-one -one situations. So that's something, always these little yeah, goal settings during the upcoming week after a bad performance. I think this is important to get this feeling of yeah, successful moments back as well and that gives you confidence again. Not to put pressure on this answer with regards to my next question, but how about if you had a good game but you still lost as a team, how do you cope with that situation in the past? Even if that sounds bad, but it felt better than losing and also performing really bad. Um, the thing is, and that's especially when you coach one day and you have to yeah, separate a bad performance from a good performance and the bad performance with a loss and a good performance with a loss as well. And I think as a coach, especially, but also for a player, you, you have to know when, for example, other circumstances decided that game or the, the result of the game. And I think all you can do is trying to put in the best performance. And that's the beauty of football as well, that you sometimes you did everything and it still didn't work out for a certain reason. Whether that was the referee, whether that was the other team that was just better or had more luck on their side or the momentum on their side. And that's important because you can't yeah, let yourself destroy from a, from a loss but from a performance, you can, but that's something you have to, I think, separate because that's all you can influence, right? Getting the right performance on the pitch and everything else because you're not only one person on the pitch, there are 10 others with you in a team and 11 others on the other side. So basically knowing that and knowing your, yeah, the, the frame, what you can influence and you're working in, I think that's important to, to grow your own game to then be successful with the whole team. I think it relates to like focusing on the controllables and uncontrollables. Like you said, the uncontrollables, it could be the team was just better on the day, the refereeing decisions, so on and so forth. Just for the listeners listening in, could you just share which clubs you've played for just to provide that timeline with regards to your 16 seasons? I still can't get that out of my head. 16 seasons. Wow. So could you just share which teams you've played for and where you're currently playing now? Yeah, that might take a while because there were a couple of stations. But so when I was 16, until then, I played with the boys and only with the boys. I got this opportunity to play for Bayern Munich's first team. So that would mean with 15 or si almost 16 years, I would move to Munich. I would play all of a sudden from 15, 16-year-old boys with um, adult women, which was a huge step um, psychologically, especially for me. And then I played eight seasons for Bayern Munich, which was a great time. And since today, Munich feels like my second home. So I made a lot of friendships there. It was a great time. I was called up for the national team the first time there. So I, yeah, I became, became adult. Or I grew up basically in Munich in my latest stage. Then I went to Turbine Potsdam. That was the first time I played for yeah, the national championship, for the Champions League title. It was a really successful season with them without winning anything. And for myself, I scored a lot of goals and I played quite well. I felt fit. And then the offer from Wolfsburg came at that time. That was a 
their best German club. They would just win the Champions League twice in a row. And I felt like, okay, now I'm at the right place to win titles finally. And there was three really yeah, successful years. I think we won five or six titles in that time. And then I had a, already the inner drive to experience something new, but I was just a bit in the focus of the national team. So I had another year in Freiburg, that's in the south of Germany. And um, yeah, to just play another year and get called up for the national team. And then after that year, I went to West Ham. That's three years ago now and played two seasons for West Ham. And it was great just playing in a full professional league with 12 clubs with a lot of history in football. When you hear Manchester City, Manchester United, Chelsea, Arsenal, all these big clubs with this, you just think of football when you hear these names, you know. So that was a great experience. I learned a lot, especially from a personal side. And then since this year, I met AC Milan in Italy. And it's great again to experience again another football culture, again another football philosophy as well. And just also learning a new um, language, because obviously um, you have to also sit down and do your Italian lessons, otherwise you don't understand a word here. <laughs> Just really quickly reflecting, what have you learned the most with that really fascinating career from a culture standpoint of playing at those different teams? I'm just really intrigued. One with regards to playing in a new club, but like, did your performance adapt with the type of football in that culture out of interest? Definitely. So first of all, when I thought of going to England, I felt, for example, that's when you think of English football, it's quick football, first forward, not kick and rush anymore, but really physical. And I'm not really that kind of football player. I'm more like, I like the possession. So I might have maybe rather played in Spain at this time when I thought of that, because there's more like the possessioning, the technical game. But to be honest, it, it worked quite well in England because it, it's a different culture. Definitely, it's a different philosophy. For example, I really felt like we were a great team in terms of the team spirit. Like everyone would have each other's back 100%. The coach always gave us the, the feeling that you can just go out and express yourself and bring in your strength and that's enough. And I felt for the first time, I don't play with pressure anymore. So every station and all the 13 years in Germany, basically where I played, and that's maybe also because I always had this national team in the back of my head, I always wanted to show my best to get the call up for the national team as well. And that obviously wasn't there anymore when I played for West Ham. So I really enjoyed playing football. You also come as someone more anonymous to a foreign league. And I think that helps as well that people have no, ex not no, but not so many expectations on you. Like when you play in Germany for 13 years and you go in the next season and the next season and the other teams already know you and the way you play. So that's something, it really helped myself to really express myself, to just play football with fun. And it's the same here in Italy again, just learning a new way of playing, maybe a bit more tactical. And the league is not as professional as it is in England and in Germany, but they are just developing a lot. And also having this, being part of that process is also really, really exciting. Julia, what's your definition of pressure? with regards to what you've just explained? I think pressure is something really subjective, intrinsic. Like when you just, people would maybe define it differently and everyone has different triggers to feel pressure. For me, it's always been 
first of all, I always wanted to compete and perform really well because I knew my dad was coming to every single away game in the whole Bundesliga, Champions League, wherever that was. And just for him to pay back a little bit, I just wanted to bring on my best performance to make him proud because he would be really critical as well and also to save an argument. <laughs> it's like just getting out my best performance that he's happy, then I'm happy as well. But obviously, yeah, as I said, it was always, yeah, just wanting more. It, it wasn't enough to start, for example, a game or to win a game or to win a title. I wanted to play in the German national team for at least nine, 10, 11 years, even after my injuries, I still had this goal. And I think going in every single game, feeling like, okay, if you play good today, there's a team camp around the corner. Um, you might make the call up, for example. And it's stressful because it sh when I think back or look back, I think I could have saved myself from a lot of stress and pressure when I would just not think about that. But that's hard to just switch it off, right? Your thoughts are in, in your head, especially when you play a bad pass and you feel like, ah, oh, today is not really working out for yourself. And again, the ball might not be your best friend these 90 minutes. You have to still find a way to go back to this game and to get the head basically a bit switched off to also enjoy the football and I think also knowing at the end of the of the day it's just a game you should enjoy football and every time I enjoyed football and I loved the 90 minutes automatically you had a great performance so that was basically now I would always say I try to enjoy myself and the performance comes automatically Awesome. And just with regards to any listeners who want to pursue a career as a footballer, which a lot of people think is that dream job or passion, as you would say, in your opinion, looking back, what attitude do you need to make it a reality? It's hard because I think when I think back or when I speak to young girls or parents, when they ask me, yeah, and what else should we train on and what else should we think about nutrition and the sleep? And I think that's not the main thing. But it's a part of it, definitely. But at the end, it's sacrificing other things and not feeling like, oof, again, I can't join, don't know, my auntie's birthday. I can't go to, to this wedding. I can't go home and see my parents or my dog or my friends. And little things like this, because you miss a lot during that journey. It doesn't start when you're 18 or 19. It starts when you're 9, 10, 11 years old. And this is when kids already created this inner drive and this ambition to want nothing more than playing football and i think it's hard to get it from outside if you don't feel like it it's hard like parents can't make you want to become a professional footballer for example either the kids have it or no one can bring you through that journey i think because it's there there might be rainy days and snowy days and windy days and it's early sometimes you have to get up at five in the morning to maybe make it to an away game when you're 14, 15 years. And it might be really cold outside as well. So just still going through these hard times as well, or school might not be really great. Or there's other things in your life where you struggle with, but you still manage to put the focus on football, I think, and sacrificing things. I think that's the most important thing. And it should not feel like a fight or a big struggle to do it. It should feel like football is always the, the part of the day where I enjoy my, myself most. At the end of the day, you go to your training and you feel like, okay, I can leave school behind me. I can leave all my 
other fights behind me and I just enjoy myself because now I'm at the right place, I'm on the football pitch. And this, I think, helps a lot when you go this long journey. So how crucial is it to have the right people around you? I mean, close friends that who support you thick and thin during your career. Important as well. I think if you have the right friends, because friends can also take you a little bit away from, or taking the focus away, right? So let's say I had a lot of friends. They were great talents. Like they were maybe, especially the boys, there were some of the boys, they were unreal I played with. But for some reasons, they wouldn't make it professional because they also had other friends on the other side and maybe not parents. They would support them enough and drive them to games and cook them something when they come home. And my dad, for example, he would always pick me up and bring me to training. And even, even today, today he would do this. If he would live in Milan, he would pick me up and bring me to training and watch the training. So I always felt like that's my safe place. When everything is bad and I play bad, I still have my dad there and my, my family there, they would support me and they would just get my head right, even if that's sometimes also a big fight and struggle that requires it. But I think, yeah, it, it's important, your environment. I think at the end of the day, it's, it's on you because I think I know people as well. They, and sometimes everyone feels a bit like, I don't want to do this. Uh, don't feel like this today. But either it comes from outside, but most of the times it has to come from inside that you still go through that and doesn't matter what it costs or how it feels. And just finally, because there's, there's other topics I want to talk about, but with regards to you being a professional footballer, when did it kick in when you went, right, there is the business of football. Like, yes, you've got to do the performance on the pitch, but then there's all the other requirements like the media, like doing endorsements, which is part of being a professional footballer. Like, when did that kick in where I've got more responsibility than just kicking a football, if that makes sense? To be honest, um, my early steps in professional football, that's basically when I went to Bayern Munich, right? And I was 16 and I didn't feel like I have to be really responsible now with, for example, what I do in my free time. Because I, I think the, the schedule itself was really tight. So there weren't a lot of gaps where you could escape from this anyway. Whether there were youth, national team meetings or camps, there were school, there was training every day and all of a sudden you train like a professional you still go to school and you still have friends and homework and family to do as well so there was not a lot of time to really yeah misbehave i would just call it right right now but then i think i don't know when obviously then it starts to like attract media they want to know your story and then you feel like okay there are really people outside of the bubble they also want to know about this and that this is when it came a little bit not to the point where it is now especially not in the UK but at least from time to time you would give an interview or they would do a little video with you or things like this that's when it feels a bit yeah good as well you know it feels a bit like don't know people would reward you for what you do and I think that's important as well to have the impression okay you're not just going to a game on Sunday and no one cares it feels like okay you have to perform well because there are people outside they are writing about this or they are they making stories about this and then all of a sudden you think like okay you can't just do what you want before a game you have to eat you have to sleep well you have to prepare yourself the best possible way and all of a sudden I think then you also see others around you especially in that professional environment then the 30 
30-year-old girls or women that would train more than just going to the training. They would go to the gym before, they would do their stabilization program. And this is when I think, again, the environment is important because as a 16-year-old, you wouldn't do that naturally. But when you see others doing more than just going to training, I think then it starts to kick a bit as well in, in your head or at least in my head where I thought, okay, I can do more than just going to training five times a week. I can prepare myself better and maybe I'll perform better at the end. With regards to preparing yourself, uh, one thing I want to touch on now is you've done a sports science degree. One, what inspired you to do it? And two, how has that degree supported you with regards to your career looking back? I always knew I'm going to study something. Like I, I wanted to study something and the best thing or topic to study would be sport, obviously. But then really earlier, I had some injuries and maybe more severe injuries as well. Then I ruptured my ACL and I felt like, okay, sports science, especially the anatomy and the um, biomechanical part of it was really interesting because I, I was already for so many times in rehabs that I felt like I just want to know more about my body and how prevention could work and how rehabilitation works and maybe also how training can help you to be a better version and a fitter version and a healthier version of yourself. And this is when I, that triggered me a bit, little bit to also do my master after I had my bachelor, for example, um, just because I really wanted specifically stay and learn more about this area. And I, I think until now, I feel like obviously the, the part I've learned the most about it was not the not studying it but experiencing it on your yeah on your own body basically and feeling like how a muscle grow again and how it is to go out again and run for example after being two months on crutches for example and just being able to sprint again and change the direction for example you can't learn this from a book and this is why it felt more authentic with me now maybe to yeah, I don't know, create awareness by others as, or for others as well, because I just went through it, you know, and having that theoretical part on the side as well, I think just helps to get it across better, but also to understand it a little bit better. So what's your actual master's on? Like I focused on, and my master thesis on ACL injuries, that, that was, I wouldn't call it my passion, but I always said to myself, I had two ACL injuries and they cost me a little bit about my performance, let's just say this. And they took time as well, took time basically from me playing football. And I think at one point I want this to be um, valuable for something else, whatever this is in the future. So, so I just thought maybe really digging into this topic and also finding out why so many girls, especially and female footballers suffer from that injury. And also in early stages of their career, that's something where I felt like, okay, I'm. I want to know this and maybe in the next step trying to prevent other girls from going through it as well and I think that's that's a bit my my drive because I just want to make it as I said valuable for something else maybe not for me personally but even if it means like we can prevent injuries from other girls great just with regards to injuries um, if you don't mind sharing because whenever I see athletes have injuries you know as fans we don't see them on the pitch, but behind this closed doors, it can be a dark time 
for athletes going through that injury period. Would you mind just sharing some advice that you went through if there's anybody listening now of like ways of just staying positive because that's easy said than done. I think right now, especially with social media and you see a lot of athletes doing the rehab and they're always smiling, they go in the gym and obviously you wouldn't put up a picture where you're laying in bed and you're crying and you don't know how to get out of bed today. And that's, I think that a little bit the, yeah, the, the part of social media that's not telling the truth. And obviously knowing that there are other athletes or other people out there, they're also struggling and feeling like this. And just the knowledge of that exists and that's part of it because everyone would, who would tell you I was six months really happy by recovering from ACL injury is lying because it's not six months of sunshine. It's a really hard time. It's just these little steps you can basically climb on these little goals that make you feel better and better. First you go back on a bike, then you run again, then you kick a ball again, and then you start training with the team again. And these little steps bring so much joy, 100%. And then finally, giving the comeback. I always get goosebumps. Even, or when people ask me, what are your best moments in football? Basically, it was every single time when you um, gave your comeback from an injury. That was always, that, don't know, it, it just feels so great. And it feels like, okay, it pays off for the, the hard months before. But I think, yeah, that, that's just you have to try to stay positive and you have to make the best out of it because it's important to not feel like, okay, the whole world is dark now and you don't see the light anymore and you don't have motivation anymore. But I think knowing that everyone, even like people always say to me, oh, you look so happy. But I was asked constantly because I re-ruptured my ACL. I, I was out for seven months, played a game, scored a goal. I thought everything is back. I'm basically close to get back to the national team as well and I ruptured it or re-ruptured my ACL after two weeks again so I, again I was then out for one and a half more years and then I felt like okay this was the longest time in my life and people would question if I ever make it back again and that gave me so much extra motivation just to prove them all wrong because everyone was asking me do you have a plan B now because you might not make it anymore right and I think you have to find your motivation to go through it and that's just either that's you have to find your way with speaking with people, whether that's friends or you have someone professional on your side that can help you through that, but also setting yourself goals and not putting yourself under time pressure. That's the worst thing you can do by recovering from an injury that you have this timetable because you might not make it and then you're rushing and that's, that's not good. Julia, I've got goosebumps now i'm just inspired of what you've just said look just from that one and a half year out of football particularly how did that challenge your mental toughness you know from a you know like with any injury you have the physical injury but you have that sort of psychology injury of like you said getting back but looking back did that make you strong as a person looking now as who you are as a person from a mental toughness point of view i do think so because I think what I've learned at this time was life is more than just football. And until I was 22, I didn't notice. I thought everything, because also my family, especially when I, I lived with my dad, then for a year when I went to Munich, and everything would turn around football. Everything. It's like we manage school, that I can attend a training. You manage your lunch, that is perfect for your training. You go to the games on Sunday. If that was not a good game, the whole next week is 
affected by a little bit of negativity. So I think realizing there's more out there than just football. And this is why I also felt like that's really important to have something next to just your football training and your games, for example, studying something, having a group of friends outside of football as well, meeting with people sometimes, you're not speaking about football. That, that was something I tried to yeah, surround myself with. I did a, an in, loads of internships when I was injured for the second time. So when I knew I'm out at least for a year again, so I, I, I took my stuff, I went to another city for three months, did an internship, continued my rehab there and felt a bit like I'm away from everything. No one is bothering me with questions and doubts. And I'm not speaking to the girls about things that happen in training because I'm just not a part of it at the moment. So I don't really want to hear it as well. I escaped a little bit. And I think that that made me stronger and also realize, okay, you have to have that balance in life because if football is not great for whatever reason, whether that's injuries or bad performance or you're not playing because your coach is not counting on you, whatever this is, it's important to have something else that's stabilizing you in life. And it can't just depend in, depending on one thing, you know, especially sport is so fast living. It can be top and it can be so bad the next day already. So I think that's, that's important just to, yeah, to have stability in life. Absolutely. And what you talk about really relates to today's podcast topic. Like, what are the benefits of being productive when pursuing a career as a professional footballer? And you've mentioned it just then, but just to highlight how you prioritise your day as a professional footballer, but also other projects you do as well, which we'll touch on now. So basically, since I was 20, 21, I felt like it's not enough just to go to training and back home and watch Netflix. I don't even know if Netflix has existed there already. But being on social media or being on the PlayStation or whatever, right? You need these times and breaks as well. And I think you need this as well to recover because football is also tough. Like it's just a lot of training as well during the week. But I felt like, okay, studying was one important thing. And I, then I started at one point with my football academy. And that was two and a half years ago now that I just felt like every summer break, I'm just trying to go to as many holidays as possible. And every, it felt great, but at one point I was like, okay, I, I can fly to three different countries again, but maybe I do something more useful. And then I thought, okay, why not creating my own football camps, especially for girls or only for girls, because back then it didn't exist for me. So if I would go to a camp, I would be surrounded by 50 boys and maybe there would be one other girl with me, but basically it was me and the boys. And I know that a lot of girls are struggling being in that environment and not feeling the focus on them. So I just basically yeah, promoted my camp. I found some venues and I found some football pitches. I would just come do my camp, would promote it. Girls would sign up. Sometimes it would be six girls. Sometimes it would be 35 girls or 50 girls in the end as well, which you can see there, there was definitely a progress. But I started with no one and it was just me. And it felt still great to do a camp even with just six kids because at the end of the day, they would go home and six girls and felt like, hey, we learned something today. They had a smile in their face. And I felt like, okay, that's something I want to throw myself into a bit more and create more opportunities, especially just for girls, because they have so many questions. They're really ambitious, but they just have no one that could guide them through that pathway, for example. And 
if I can be this person, great. I'm more than happy to help. And this is, yeah, when I got really passionate about, yeah, doing these camps and now it developed into a football academy. And yeah, step by step, it's growing. And I'm always more than happy to spend my whole day next to training with creating more projects around this football academy. So let's get straight to it. Let's talk about your brand new app with regards to your academy. What's it about? What's, you know, for people listening in who want more information, what is this app and how it can benefit, you know, players, but also parents as well? Yeah, first of all, it's a basic football app where there are loads of different football drills on it, focusing on the technical part, PPOps, but also shooting, passing, first touch, everything that re football requires. And the good thing is with it that you download the app and you basically don't need a lot of material. You just need a ball. And sometimes if you can find a goal, this could help as well. But basically you're not dependent on five other people around you that could pass your ball or throw a ball to you or play with you. And I think when I think back, I always wanted to do more and I always took a ball and just shot against the wall for hours. And no one would tell me how to do it better or how to correct it or give me a feedback. I just did what I think is right, right? And I just want to have this help a little bit that they know, okay, this is important and this is how you do it. And also a little demonstration video on top of that as well. So it's easy to use, but also you have a physical, you have the physical workouts on top of that as well, because that's, and that's not just getting as strong as possible. It's about being stable on the pitch, bringing yourself in a better shape to not get injured and all that kind of stuff that's important as well, even for young, young girls and young players already, that you know how to move correct, that you have a certain stability while you're running and to compete in tackles, for example. And then to make it a little bit more personal, we implement a vlog where I'm basically speaking about nutrition, about regeneration, about other workouts you can do at home, but also funny stuff. Let's speak about little challenges that you just improve yourself, um, play with a ball, whatever this is. So there's a lot of, also given an insight of my professional football life that people know, okay, this is how it looks like to how to train and when to get up, what to eat and how to recover from that. And I think all of this, I hope uh, we can create a little community where the girls and maybe boys as well can ask questions and participate on challenges, but also just, yeah, developing themselves to yeah, just become better footballers. Absolutely. Look, I always say learn from the best. That's what inspired me to do this podcast six years ago. So look, if you're listening in, there will be in my show notes a link where you can download the app and take action and learn from Julia. So look, before we talk, before we need to wrap up, there's one other little project you're doing. You're a busy person, Julia. Play for her. You started that up with two other footballers. Again, could you just share to listeners what this project's about and yeah, like why and what is this all about, particularly on Instagram as well? We are a close groups of friends. There's Lina Magul who's playing or who's even the captain from Bayern Munich right now and also playing for the national team in Germany. And Laura Vetterlein, I played with her in Wolfsburg, but also in West Ham the last season. And we got on really well and we all felt like, all right, every time we speak, we feel like we're on the same wavelengths 
and we want to create something if we just speak about women's football and how it develops and how quick for example it develops in the uk and what we need to give it a little boost for example in germany as well so we thought okay let's create a platform for young girls and all of us each of us have a little expertise i feel a little bit more home in this training rehab injury um, area laura is the one who's really into mindset and leadership and how to get your head right after loss, for example, and has different tools, how to do that. Lena is really into fitness and nutrition, and that's a huge part as well. So we thought, okay, we all have the skills. Let's just make it countable as well for others. And yeah, then we just said, okay, where are the kids or where are the young ambitious footballer? And they're all on social media, right? So that's maybe the easiest way to reach out to them. So we created this platform mainly on Instagram, play for her, but we also on other platforms um, just to share it and spread the messages and everyone can participate on different challenges and get information around these topics, for example, and ask us questions. So we also plan to do workshops and Q and A sessions and going live. So just, to help also the kids and give them the motivation and the inspiration to commit what they're doing because it's worth it, but also maybe help parents or other coaches or physios in and around the game that might not know how to deal with nutrition, for example. What can I, don't know, make my, prepare my kid for in the morning when she's going to school and has to go to training after? So how can I do a quick smoothie and what else does she need for example to make it through the day and still feel powerful and yeah yeah and this is just the idea behind and i think we want to deliver good content that kids are really participating but not only kids can also be girls and women who are already longer in the game and they just want to have tips or want to have an insight about our life so we're just really passionate about giving something back a little bit and sharing our journey and our experiences to the next generation. Awesome. By the way, this content is applicable to men, boys as well, just to give my hand up. Uh, you're training Julie on like ankle and mobilities help me with my running. So again, there'll be a link with regards to play for her on Instagram. It's really good content. But now Julie, I want to, touch back on one final or two final questions but this one with regards to your career what have you enjoyed the most from those 16 seasons being a professional footballer when I take away just the pure playing and the pure training and just the joy that the game gives you I would always say just the people I met during that journey and being in this dressing room and that was not only or it's not only when you're 16 or 18 or 20 years it still goes on until you're 31 that you just enjoyed so much to be silly and have a laugh uh, with the girls. And every time I feel a little bit low energy, for example, and as soon as I step over this line on the dressing room and enter the dressing room, I feel like, okay, you're back with the girls, you have a great time. And that's something I always call it an extended youth um, being a professional footballer because you, we always ask each other, when do we finally grow up? I think it's just as soon as you leave football, to be honest, because before that you have so many silly moments, but that's just what, 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 is, what it is all about, I think, to manage these, also these stressful games sometimes with a group of friends, right? And sometimes you even call it your family because you don't see anyone more than basically your teammates. 
and the people around that team. And that's something when I think of not playing anymore, this is something I will really miss being a part of a great group of people. They're all driving for the same and it's competitive, but at the same time, it's yeah, such a lovely place to be and being surrounded by all these yeah, lovely girls and your teammates and they most of the time really good friends as well. Look, I've really enjoyed this conversation, Julia, and I hope the listeners too. And I'd like to finish with an inspirational question. Out of interest, what three tips would you give to the listeners right now so they could be a bit more successful with regards to their productivity, with regards to their day-to-day life? What would those three tips be? Um, having a positive mindset, even if it's raining, if it's cold outside, I think it's important that you can, that you know that you can trick your brain a little bit when you watch or look into the mirror and you're just smiling your brain starts to believe you're happy. So that's maybe one trick I've learned. Um, so yeah, that's definitely something to, to make the best yeah, out, out of your day. I think it's important as well to having yeah, the motivation or the goal, um, even if it's just for, for the day, to make it through the day. What's my goal today? What do I want to do? Do I want to give someone a smile by being nice or happy and with positive energy and that's something sometimes enough sometimes not just wait for an old lady and um, keep holding the door for example and she's really happy about this. this these are so little things but I'm the same like I can really yeah feel for a long time happy about little moments like this so that's definitely something that's worth uh, to do and a third one um, I think you can always create something and i think it's it's good to go a bit away from your routines and i think the last year for example when you think back how many struggles we were all confronted with right and everyone would be creative and find an opportunity to go another way and i think you can do this every day sometimes you're so into your system and you don't see left or right but it's worth for example to speak to other people out of the system wherever system you're in and to see okay this is how they do it this is how they manage this this is how they work with certain things and that's important to be like every day is also a chance and an opportunity to create something new whether that's only for you or for others but I think having this little drive in in you and looking left and right as well and that's that's important as well. Thank you so much for those tips. I particularly like the creativity one because that's how we learn as well within ourselves and to others. Look, Julia, how can people connect with you on social media? Where are the best places? There are different good places, to be honest. But I, th- I think a really good place is the Play For Her um, platform. I think Play For Her is what you said as well. It's for everyone. It's not only for young girls who want to become professional footballers. It's for everyone who's into becoming better, getting knowledge, getting opportunities as well and feeling inspired I would say so that's definitely something worth to participate from time to time and also obviously the Julius Image Football Academy platform is not so bad as well there's coming a lot of content free content obviously um, where you can just see how to deal with different things technical drills but also nutrition stuff and all these areas so I think it's a little bit for everyone as well. Amazing. To all the listeners listening in, all those links will be on my website relating to this blog post. Julia, it's been such a joy chatting with you today. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it a lot as well. 
Wow, what a fascinating podcast chat with Julia. And again, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. For me, we covered so much in that conversation. And without a doubt, my biggest takeaway learning from Julia is her resilience with regards to her attitude being a professional footballer, particularly that segment when she talked about her second ACL injury and being out for a year, where she, it was a tough time without a doubt. And you could hear that through her explanation during that period, but it was her resilience that she decided to do some internships, get some, you know, life experience during that period and not give up with regards to getting back being a professional footballer. I learned so much from that little clip. And without a doubt, if you are having that inspiration of being a professional footballer, I hope you learned as well the importance of making sacrifices with regards to your choices. That's another element I learned in the conversation that whatever we want to pursue a career in not just being a professional footballer but anything we may have to make those hard decisions with regards to making that career a reality so look I really do hope you've enjoyed it as much as I did and without a doubt if you want to learn more about play for her and also her academy app there are links in the show notes check them out uh play for her is on instagram julia simics academy is on instagram as well honestly the resources and information is so helpful it's something you know young footballers now can take advantage of but back in my day when i was 13 14 when i wanted to be a tennis player these resources weren't available i know it's a different sport but it's the same principle so these athletes are taking their time to give back to you so if this sort of information will be helpful for your performance on and off the football pitch take action and learn from the best but in the meantime apply julia's tips with regards to the end of really setting those small goals and smile more it's amazing when we smile more we can have a better day within ourselves with regards to our daily routine so on that note Take advantage of this podcast, apply the tips to your sports career development today and make it happen. Now, as always, at the end of each podcast episode, I'd like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. Julia said, focus on improving your life skills and be creative on how you find new opportunities related to your day-to-day activities.